Well, it's my joy to be with you again, uh, Cookie, Anna, and team. Thank you uh, for the invite and the opportunity uh, to be with us and to share the Word of God with you. And as uh, Cookie said earlier on, uh, it's my joy, can I say that? It's my joy to speak on the theme of forgiveness or, or the challenge of forgiveness or even the challenge of unforgiveness, which... Uh, there won't be a single person in this room immune from that. Yeah. So if you're feeling uncomfortable, so is everybody else. Yeah. All right? And so am I. Because although I absolutely believe in this, I recognize that forgiveness is one of the most glorious concepts in the Bible. And it's also one of the most difficult all right? And if you're having a wee bit of a struggle with that, it's not because you're a bad person. It's because you're human. And humans will struggle with this. And that's why we need the help of the Lord in addressing these issues and working them through. And so I want to take a very, very short reading from Luke chapter 23. Just a couple of verses to put into context for you. Jesus has been uh, tried, if you can call it a trial. Um, he's been uh, found guilty and then uh, he is being led off to be executed. And uh, this is the beginning of that execution moment. So it's Luke chapter 23, verse 32. And it says this, Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. In the six hours that Jesus hangs on the cross before he dies, he utters seven statements. And you can by help of the four Gospels, put those seven statements together. Dr. Luke in his Gospel gives us three of those statements. John in his Gospel gives us another three. And then Mark and Matthew uh, sort of give us the one that makes up the seven. And they give us the same one. And in Dr. Luke's record, the very first and last words of Jesus are recorded for us in the three sayings that he has. So these words that we've just read, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing, are in fact the first words of Jesus on the cross. Now think about that. Think about what's just going on. Now here's our problem as followers of Jesus when it comes to the death of Jesus and the suffering of Jesus. We tend to think of the suffering of Jesus in the big picture. So in other words, we tend to think of Jesus taking on the sin of the world and dying for the sin of the world and purchasing our salvation. And of course, that's absolutely true. Nothing wrong with that at all. The danger with that is we tend to see it almost very mechanically. Jesus is God. He becomes flesh. Uh, he takes on the sin of the world and he dies. And that's sort of it. It's all very matter of fact. But what we have to remember is that Jesus was not only very God of very God, he was also 100% human. And although there is a big macro picture to the death of Jesus, what we've also got is personal suffering. Jesus is a man. He's, he's undergone 
uh, leading up to this moment of execution, uh, outstanding brutality, if that's not an oxymoron. It, it's actually not only thinking about why he's there for us, he's on the cross to die for me and you, but he's also, in another sense, being put there, hasn't he? He's been put there by an agenda. He's been put there by people who hate him. He's been put there uh, by a brutal uh, authority uh, in that sense in the, in the Romans. And actually, when we look at the life of Jesus, just getting to the cross, he's been betrayed by one of his own. He's been abandoned. He's been denied. He's been abused, bullied, beaten, Subject to profound injustice, humiliated, insulted, and crucified. Have I missed anything? Now, here's the problem we have. We hear these words, Father, forgive them. And the danger is we think, oh, well, that's like, that's like God in flesh, like forgiving the world. Now, let's just step back from that for a moment. And let's think about the man who's been betrayed, abandoned, denied, abused, bullied, beaten, subject to injustice, humiliated, insulted, and crucified. And then hear those words. Come on, they're magnificent, aren't they? They're, they're also deeply, 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 deeply challenging. Because if you're like me, I listen to these words and something within me just calls out, I, I want to be able to live a life like that. I, I want to be able to say those words when someone insults me. But the broken person inside me struggles with that. Aspirationally, I'm there. Jesus, I'm on, I'm on it, I'm with you. But then, but then I look at the people who've done this stuff to me. I've, I, I'm rubbing shoulders with the world that, that treats me in this way. And then the broken part of me struggles to put this into practice or even, even questions if I should put it into practice. As we were taught in Belfast, do unto others, but do it first. Do you know what I mean? That's this, that's this sort of philosophy that most of us enjoy or at least uh, privately admit to. Now, this is an amazing moment and, and we don't want to treat it lightly, but neither do we want to be, be afraid of it. We've got to look at this moment of Jesus on the cross with awesome reverence, but also recognize there's something being presented here that, that someone like me and you can connect to. It's awesome, but it's accessible. Amen? Now, in the New Testament, there are two big words for forgiveness, really, uh, without oversimplifying it. There's a word that sort of means cancelling the debt. So if you owed me 100 quid and I wrote that debt off, then I would be, in a New Testament sense, forgiving you of the debt, cancelling the debt. The other word that's used in the New Testament literally means to send away. Now, the word that Jesus is using here on the cross is that word. Jesus is asking the Father to send away something from him uh, in order to bring that release and forgiveness. And I find these images really helpful because, because actually when I'm thinking about forgiving someone, there's a sense in which sometimes it feels like I'm really canceling a debt. Okay, I'm writing a debt off 
that they really do owe me and they really should put this right, but it's never going to happen, so I have to write that debt off. And then, and then the other idea of there are sometimes I just need to send it away from me. I need to get this thing away, as far away from me as possible so that I can get on with my life. And those sorts of images really, really do help. And Jesus here, when he says on the cross, Father, forgive, is using the word to send away. And that's a helpful way to think about forgiveness. But as we reflect on this, I want to reflect on what we send away. We'll come to that in a moment. But I also want to reflect on, really vulnerably with you, what we can't send away. There are some things, even when you forgive people, are not going away. Now, if we can just live with this tension, it will help us because some of us have struggled with forgiveness because we expect that when we forgive, everything will just fix itself. Everything will work out and life will be marvelous and we'll all live happily ever after. But here's what I've discovered living in Planet Real. That often when I forgive someone, it remains messy. It remains not what I want it to be. It sometimes fixes and becomes a happily ever after, but sometimes it doesn't. And then the challenge comes back to me, am I still prepared to forgive them? Even when it's not working out the way I would like. Are you with me? Does that make sense to you? So so what is Jesus not sending away on the cross? Well, number one, when we forgive someone, we can't send away the experience. I wish. If I could bottle that and sell it, I'd be a gazillionaire. If I could offer you today that if you come to the front, I'm going to pray for you, and you are going to have that experience expunged from your history. I mean, there'd be a queue out the door. And why not? There are some things we'd love to go back and, and have never have happened. But, but the problem is, once they've happened, they're part of us. Once that person hurts you, offends you, or wounds you, it is now an experience. Without the sound of too cynical, what's done is done. And no matter how many times I forgive, it's not going to undo what was done. So my forgiveness is not about undoing what was done. My forgiveness is about moving on from what is done. What has been done to me is always going to be there. But forgiveness helps me to move on from what was done so that my life doesn't become fixed to that event. Are you with me? When we get to heaven, you'll recognize Jesus because he's the one with the scars. When he rose from the dead, he didn't didn't like, the the scars didn't disappear. And when Jesus looks at the scars, it reminds him of an experience. And when we look at the scars in heaven, we will be forever reminded of that experience. But while those scars are being inflicted, he's sending something away. The scars will always be there but we don't have to be rooted to there. Come on. Let me say this to you. Somebody needs to hear this. The presence of your scars 
does not mean the absence of forgiveness. And can I say this? When you forgive people, your scars won't disappear. You'll always have them. But when you forgive them, you can look at them without being bound to them. Come on. That's good news, I think. Oh, really? I think that's good news. And that can help us. Here's the second thing we can't send away. We can't send away the memory of what's happened to us. We, we, this is Remembrance Sunday. We are reminded to remember. Um, and for some of us, we really do have to remember why we remember today. For other people in this room or down at the Cenotaph, they don't need any help to remember. Because they literally have those experiences seared into their memory. They will never forget what they saw or what they did or what happened to them. And there are some things I wish I could forget. I really do. I wish the Holy Spirit would come down, just wipe that memory out. Do a bit of a hard drive sweep. Come on, are you with me? My granny used to say, forgive and forget. <laughs> granny, how do you do that? How do you forget? Tell me how to forget stuff. Now, actually, there is a sense that we can forget. I'll come back to that in a moment. But, but actually, in a real sense, as a human, once we've experienced something, it's really hard to forget it. Some of you can remember things that you did as a, a, a three-year-old or a four-year-old. Um, uh, but actually, uh, those experiences we have are absolutely pressed onto us. And here's what I want to say to you. The presence of memory of what they did, what was done to you, what happened to you, what hurt you, what wounded you, and what offended you, the presence of that memory does not mean the absence of forgiveness. There's a sense in which you will always remember that, but forgiveness helps us to remember without the pain. It's always going to be there. It's always going to be a chapter in your book or a page in your book. Some of you feel like it's your whole book at the moment, but honestly, there are future chapters to be written and forgiveness is the ink that writes those future chapters. But, but actually, when we're in the middle of something, it feels like it's all-consuming. And the memory of those things is there. There are things I cannot forget. I don't think I will ever forget. And maybe, maybe kind of say in the context of learning to grow in grace, the Lord doesn't want me to forget them. He actually wants me to remember them but live better. My mother passed away in February. She grew up in a loveless home. I was, I was home last weekend in, in Northern Ireland and I had dinner with my sister and my brother-in-law and we were reflecting on my mother's life because I didn't get over for the funeral because of COVID. This was our first opportunity. First ever trip to Northern Ireland and I didn't see my wee mommy. It was an amazing experience. I have to say, it, it sort of messed with my heart a little bit. And it was very emotional all weekend. The, the, the church I was ministering thought I was having some sort of midlife crisis. Um, <laughs> And I'm not sure if it was the subject I was teaching on or it was my mom or a mix of all of that. And I sat with my sister and we reflected together. My mom grew up in a loveless house. She literally jumped on the back of her father who was trying to kill her mother with an axe. 
came back from the war, came back from the Great War. What an oxymoron that is. The Great War. And he came back with what we would call post-traumatic stress syndrome. He picked up an axe one night to kill his wife. And if my mother hadn't have jumped on his back, and as she jumped on his back, he swung away and sliced my granny's face. That was my mother's world. And my mother would hear my, her parents fighting. My mother was never once told by her parents that she was loved, she was valued, she was special. She was the only girl in a house of boys. She looked after her brothers. Never ever heard those words. She became a follower of Jesus at the age of 15. And as she heard her parents fighting in the next room with tears flowing down her cheeks, she made a promise. She said, Jesus, if I ever have my own family, I will live a better life. I will be a better mother. I will be a better person. Now, my mom, you know, passed away in her 80s and she still remembered that. But she wasn't defined by it. Why? Because as a 15-year-old, she sent it away. Come on, are you with me? Right, now we can do that. Is it easy? No. Because if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And if it was easy, someone like me and others wouldn't have to talk about it. It's really hard. But it is possible. It is possible. Third thing we can't send away are the consequences. There are things you're living with that you're always going to live with. I'm really sorry. We've been praying for a family this morning. James Andrews, the young man, is that his name? James? Consequences. And if you know the story of the family, painful journeys, consequences, difficult things, that even when there's grace and mercy and generosity, there are still consequences. And sometimes we are living with the consequences of what somebody did to us, and therefore, as a result, we, we find it hard to forgive because the consequences are still there. If somehow, if I forgive, all the consequences disappeared, that would be easier. But many times we're being asked to forgive and the consequences stay with us. Jesus forgave and then they, he died. His first words on the cross were forgiveness, but they still killed him. Sometimes when it comes to forgiveness, we will do the right thing and not always get the right result. But the right thing is always the right thing. Forgiveness on the cross was the right thing, even though they still killed him. Forgiveness for me and you is always the right thing, even though sometimes it feels like we end up holding the mucky end of the stick. Or we end up worse off than the people we've forgiven. What's that all about? Lord, I forgive them, but kill them at the same time. You know what I mean? Now, the reason you're laughing is because you know it's true. Right? Is that straight, in it? 
we're laughing sort of nervous laughter. Yes, that's true. That's true. We've all done that, haven't we? We certainly all wish that. When I was uh, sort of younger, I watched a nature program and I saw something that when I was reflecting and studying on this, it really helped me as an image. And, and uh, I was watching a program about spiders and, um, and it was showing you the intricacy of the spider's web. I mean, an amazing thing. It was just incredible to watch. And, and this spider had built a web and then a wasp flew into the spider, a spider's web. And of course, the wasp starts to struggle immediately. That's exactly what the spider wants. And as the wasp is struggling, the spider starts to make his way towards dinner. Come on. Uh, and, and the wasp probably instinctively knows I'm in trouble here and whatever wasps think. Um, the wasp thinks I need to do something and it went to swing its back end round where its sting is and it went to swing that round towards the spider and the web caught the edge of the sting and as he pulled his bum round to sting the spider, the web pulled the sting clean out, right? And it was still pump, pumping poison, stuck to the web. So you've now got a, a wasp without a sting. There's like a large vacancy in his bum here um, as he's pulling around towards the spider. And of course, the rest is history. The spider moves in and eats the wasp. But, but I, I, as, I was, as I was meditating on this, I thought that is a brilliant picture of what forgiveness does. Forgiveness doesn't make the wasp disappear. It just pulls the sting out, right? It means you can look at the wasp and not get the poison. You can think about the wasp and not have the poison. You can, you can understand the consequences of the wasp in your life aren't going away anytime soon even, but still forgiveness has withdrawn the poison. Make sense? So what do we send away? A couple of things quickly, just to, we'll draw this to a close. We, there's some things we can't send away when we forgive, and I think that's important to really understand. I think we as followers of Jesus must understand what's not happening when we forgive, because that confuses beautiful people, and they get very upset by that. What are we sending away? Three things quickly. We are sending away, first of all, the obstacle to our freedom. Here's the kicker here. This is, really, this is really nasty. Someone hurts you, and then if I don't forgive them, I remain bound to what they have done. How unfair is that? How does that work, right? They did the nasty stuff, but if I don't send away that nasty stuff from my world... I'll end up stuck to their nasty stuff. And here's the thing that makes it worse. They just move on with the rest of their life. They're not even thinking about you. They're not thinking about what they did to you. They're not even losing any sleep over what they did to you. You're the one that's having sleepless nights. You're the one whose blood pressure is now rising every time you think about them. You're the one who's under stress and under pressure. And they're just swanning off into their future. And, that, and this is a real nasty kicker here on this issue that, that actually when it comes to forgiveness, 
we're not just forgiving for their sake. And there's some beautiful you know, generosity and grace in that, but we are actually forgiving for our sake. If I don't forgive you, I am bound to whatever I'm not forgiving you on. You've now, we've got these invisible chains connecting us. And I'm like, wherever you're going, I'm going. When I see you having a great time on Facebook, <laughs> abide with me, Lord, but don't abide with them. Right? See, and the reason, the reason I can't get away from you on Facebook is not because of social media, it's because of unforgiveness. I'm, I'm stuck to you. This is so helpful to me that, that actually forgiveness is about unsticking myself from the offense. I, I'm cutting the chain. Uh, I, and the Holy Spirit wants to help me do that, but I've got to want to do it. I mean, that's the problem here. The, the Lord is right there with me saying, I've got all the resources. I've got the Spirit. I've got the Word. I can help you do this, but you have got to want to do it. And so when we forgive, we send away the offense. A friend of mine, uh, she's given me permission to share this, at the age of 15 uh, was uh, abused by a member of her family, sexually abused. And, and that abuse continued secretly for a number of years and guilt and shame and a whole bunch of other things kept that secret. And this friend of mine became a follower of Jesus. And while she was being abused by this member of her family, uh, almost to appease her and maybe to appease his own guilt, he bought her a very, very expensive piece of jewelry. And she noticed that every time she looked at the jewelry, something dark erupted in her world. And one day she went to a river and in a prayer of forgiveness, she threw this expensive, piece. I mean, she could have sold it on eBay and got, got a few quid for it, but she threw the expensive piece of jewelry into the river. And here's what she said. These are her words. She's given me permission to show a real person, not a made up story. She said, choosing to forgive has released me into a journey with God that otherwise would not have been possible. She said, I am now able to grow in confidence, work on issues of insecurity, and I can now begin to see myself through God's eyes. Now, it wasn't the jewelry going in the river that did it, but it was a symbol. She was sending something away. Now, she still got the memory of that. She still got the experience of that. She may even be coping with the consequences of some of that. But she's not bound by it. She's free. Here's the second thing that forgiveness sends away. It sends away an obstacle to our blessing. A young man was born into a family and whatever the circumstances were, it ended up a very nasty experience for him because his mother, in, in a moment of anger, anguish, disappointment, or pain, named her son Pain. Imagine that. Imagine Cookie taking your baby and just saying, what's the baby's name before we pray for him? Pain. I'm sure Cookie would go, what? Are you sure that's the name? Are we, are we going with that? Maybe there's another alternative here that we could go with. Even Norman is like, it's better than pain, right? Come on. 
Sorry, Norman. Sorry, Norman. Forgive me, Norman. Are you with me? No, it's a joke. Right. But you know what I mean? It's, now, because it's in the Bible, we sort of, oh, Jabez. Jabez. But in Jabez's culture, Jabez meant one who causes pain. Now, I don't know what the circumstances of her pain was, but she now took her pain and put it on him. And every time his name was called to school, it reminded everybody of her pain because he was now carrying her pain. But listen to what the young man called pain said. He prayed a prayer. And these are the words of his prayer. Oh, that you would bless me. Speaking to the Lord. That you would enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. There's a beautiful play in the word there in the language of this man. He's literally almost tongue-in-cheek. He's saying to the Lord, I know my name's pain, but I don't want to live in pain, and I don't want to be a pain, and I don't want to cause pain. And the only person who's going to help me get free from the pain of my past is you, O God. And therefore, I'm going to release it to you. Oh, that you would enlarge my territory. Can I say this? The Lord wants to enlarge you. He wants to bless you. He wants to help you. But can I say this with all the love of my heart, having been to the dark side of the moon on this issue, our unforgiveness. Let me say this carefully. Don't throw anything at me. It sounds heretical, but work with me. Our unforgiveness restricts the God of heaven from blessing us in certain ways. I thought the Lord could do anything. Well, he can and he can't. That's the paradox. And there are some things even the Lord, can I say this carefully, will struggle to do if we're not prepared to let things go. But John, you don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. Please hear me. Listen, we could all have a coffee afterwards and we could compare stories. And a room like this, I mean, you don't have to be a prophet to know. There's a, a, a good bunch of us here have had our backsides well and truly kicked by life. We've been slapped, punched, kicked, spat on, abused, literally or metaphorically. Comparing scars is not going to heal the pain. We need to come to a place where we say, do we want to be defined by this scar? Now, here's the irony. The Bible refers to Jabez as Jabez. He doesn't ask for his name to be changed. Come on. Lord, change my name to blessing. There's a good name. No, no. He keeps the name pain. But by reaching out to the Lord, he is understanding there's a process where what has happened to me in the past does not have to define where I go in the future. That's the power of forgiveness. That's why I think the name stays in. That makes sense? Okay, last thing and we're done. As, as the band, are you, doing a, you guys doing a song? Do you want to come and get ready? As, uh, I know you do that very discreetly and gently behind me. I'm an Irishman. I hate people walking behind me. All sorts of stuff going on there. People have died. People have died for less, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, you've got to watch that. Okay, here's the third thing. 
that we send away. We send away the obstacle to our future. R.T. Kendall, in his beautiful book, Total Forgiveness, says this, there is no future without forgiveness. Now, technically, he's wrong, right? Because everyone in this room has a future whether you forgive or not. What he means is, there's no future of life and health and blessing and freedom and wholeness without forgiveness. That actually, if we want to have a wholesome, life-filled future, we have to be prepared to forgive those who have wounded us and offended us. Here's, Here's the power of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness roots us to what has happened Whereas forgiveness opens the door to a better future. Unforgiveness says, I am stuck. That thing, that person, I am stuck. Whereas forgiveness says, I can move on. Unforgiveness declares, you the offender or the offense has won. Whereas forgiveness declares, I have or am overcoming. Unforgiveness keeps us rooted to the past where forgiveness draws us to the future. And and that ultimately, when we're struggling to forgive people, even if you want to think selfishly, Think about your own future. Somebody once said that if we pursue revenge and unforgiveness, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Now, I I just want to challenge you. I'm not minimizing what they've done. I'm not being glib with what anybody's done to you. So don't, if, if you've heard that, my goodness, I have cataclysmically failed today. What I'm, what I'm challenging you with is what sort of a future do you want? Do you want a future filled with poison? Do you want a toxic future? Do you want a narrow future, small future, bitter future? John, that's not my choice. Actually, this is, this is the incredible message of the gospel. It is. It is. That actually, regardless of what people do to me, if I respond in grace and mercy and forgiveness, I give God permission to give me a better future. than the past that I have experienced. What I can't send away when I forgive people is my experience. It's part of me. What I can't send away are my memories. What I can't send away are the consequences. Sometimes they disappear, sometimes they don't. But what I can send away is the obstacle to my freedom the obstacle to my blessing and the obstacle to my future. I sat in a room, my daughter's room one day, broken. 
stuck. Looking out her window, thinking, my life's over, my ministry's over, I'm done, done. I was trying to convince the Lord I couldn't forgive them. But the Lord knows me very well. It was I just didn't want to forgive them. I wanted to kill them. Now you think that's, I'm sort of being melodramatic? I'm telling you the truth. I wanted to go into that room, grab some people and kick the life out of them because of what they had done to me and my family. I was angry. I was disillusioned. I was disappointed. I was in a dark place. And here I am, a member, a minister of Assemblies of God, PhD, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting in my daughter's room and I'm, I'm at the dark side of the moon. And the, and the Lord spoke to me and he, here's what he said. This is, these are the words he said to me. John, do you want to live or do you want to die? And something deep within me said, Lord, I want to live. And he said to me, you've got to forgive them. Let them go. Leave them with me. Leave the situation with me. But if you hold on to them, son, you are about to die. You're going to die. And thank God I didn't die. I nearly died. It nearly killed me. And what saved me was his grace and strength and love and faithfulness. He never left me, never forsook me. Abide with me. But was the willingness to forgive. Let it go. Send it away. Not try and work it out. Not try and square the circle. Still haven't squared the circle. Don't think the circle in my life on that issue will ever be squared. But I'm not dead. I'm not dead. I'm alive. And since that moment to this, I've had a good life. We've done wonderful things. We've gone places and experienced things and seen the greatness and goodness and loving kindness of the Lord, which I may not have seen. So let me pray for you. Why don't you close your eyes just for a moment? The band are going to lead us in a beautiful song in a moment. But I'd just love to pray for anyone in this room who is facing the issue of forgiveness and struggling with it. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to hurt you. But I, have, I think I've got a grace on my life on this stuff that I want to help you with. And if that's you, if things I've said this morning, you've got, John, it's like you're reading my mail. It's my life. And you're struggling to send it away. And here's what I want you to do while every head's bowed and eyes closed. Why don't you just quietly stand to your feet? I'm going to open this up for about 10 to 20 seconds. You'll know who you are, but don't need a big drawn out appeal on this. You'll know if this is your number. Then stand. Let me pray for you. A few more seconds. If you want me to pray, I'm going to pray. 
This could be for one person. It could be for a dozen people. It could be for everybody. It doesn't bother me. But I know that I sat in that room that day and I could have died. But forgiveness saved my life. Lord, for my brothers and sisters who are standing, thank you for their humility. Thank you for their courage to stand. Thank you for the desire in standing that they have expressed to you in the silence of this moment where they stand before you and say, Lord, help me. Help me to forgive. Help me to send away what is being done. Help me to cancel the debt that is owed. And Holy Spirit, as we've been praying, breaking out in our lives, I pray, Holy Spirit, you will break out right now into the life of every person standing in this place. And Lord, they will receive your grace, your strength, your power to forgive, to release, to let them go, to let the offense go, so that, Lord, you will give them a blessing that will enlarge them like Jabez, that, Lord, you will give them freedom like my friend who cast that jewelry into the river, that, Lord, you will give them a future and a hope beyond the pain and the darkness and the agony of this moment. And that, Lord Jesus, just as you came off the cross, just as you ultimately rose from the dead and secured for humanity a glorious future through forgiveness, I pray that each of my brothers and sisters standing now will walk into a life-filled, hope-filled, blessing-filled future in Jesus' name. That, Lord, they will experience supernatural grace in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, let it be so. Come on, let's all say it together. Let it be. Let's say it again. Come on. Let it be so. Why don't you all stand with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness. You canceled the debt we could never have paid in a million lives. We're so grateful. Help us to be men and women who live in the freedom, in the blessing, and in the future of that forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.